Welcome to another episode of There's a System to This Madness podcast. I am your host, Osaze Shabazz. Today is August 30th, 2020. Let's get right into it. Since the last podcast, I think I have spoke on the two shootings in Louisiana and Wisconsin since then. Information has come out, particularly the situation in Wisconsin. Um, the young man, 29 years old, basically um, was shot seven times in the back, point blank range. It's been diagnosed that even though he's still in critical condition, but they have confirmed that he is paralyzed from the waist down. And at the time of this recording, nothing has been put in place in regards to any reprimanding of the police officers or the justifications for their actions. Of course, they're trying to say that, you know, he was reaching for a weapon, but if you plainly can see, even just from the angle, statements had that there was, they did find a knife after looking. There was a knife in his vehicle. However, if you look at the footage, these police officers could not have known that. Based on their angle, they, there was no way in, there was no way possible that they knew this. So basically, it was, again, another situation where it was shoot to kill. It just, fate would have it, this individual, he, he's living. He's still alive right now. You know, seven bullets in his back. And he is still living. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's sad, it's tragic that he can't walk or won't ever walk again, possibly won't ever walk again. But the fact is, this man is still alive. And it's, I don't know, it's, I guess we need to talk about the elephant in the room. And that elephant is... I'm at the point where I believe that there is a mandate. It's one thing to say that the police have fear of black men. But I believe now there's, there's a mandate for police killing black men. I mean, it's, there is, I, I, I don't know how else to explain these senseless shootings. And of course, you know, I, I see the videos of separate situations, similar situations that involve white people. And I mean, you see a totally different approach. It's like it's night and day. First of all, you know, I'm like, okay, it's a coincidence. That, you know, okay, cer certain circumstances. But it's like 
there is no there is no options. It's like he's a threat. He's the black man. He's a threat. Shoot to kill. I mean, I've seen white people wrestling with the police in the police face, white women, all types of situations. But I mean, you just see black people, they are being gunned down. And I mean, it's, it's like if there's even a hint, a hint of a threat, they are shooting to kill. And I mean, I, you know, I, I, I really don't even know. It's, it's hard to even fathom this thought. But when you look at the videos, it's just, it's, it's there. It's like there, it's, it's like there's not an option. Being, being an ex-Marine, we had rules and regulations in hostile countries. We literally had to take fire upon us first before we can engage back at an enemy. The police in this country, there's no such thing. It's just, if it's a threat, and I mean, they don't, and I mean, they do not care about the video. You know, I just, I still think about the George Floyd situation. I look, you know, I think, I see the, the Jacob Blake situation. I mean, there was no threat whatsoever. And I mean, they killed these men just like it was nothing. And I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's this, it's, it's like the country secretly have passed a law that basically says kill black people, black men. If there's a hint of a threat, and, and, and I shouldn't even say a threat to them. That's why this whole situation with these Karens were calling, where they're calling the police departments, 911, for this frivolous calls because they even have the concept that if they call the police, the police comes and have an interaction with black people that it's going to turn for the worse. So it's, it's like, it's like white people somehow have secretly have met and has indicated that we have a, an agenda. And that agenda is we're going to kill as many black people as possible. And I, I know this sounds far-fetched. I know this, you know, sounds very conspiracy thinking. But it's like, what, what, what I, I, would, I would love to know what, you know, yes, I, I'm a firm believer in preventive measures. I do believe that 
situations, you know, now I want to say some of the situations can be resolved by precautionary measures. You know, sometimes I see the videos and I see black men being told to stand down. Like, like the video of the young man in Louisiana, you know, and he's holding, he's holding a knife and he's just, he's really, he's just walking, he's walking away, but they're telling him to stop. The women in the video are saying, you know, hey, stop walking. And she's even saying, they are going to shoot him. And sure enough, they, I mean, they lit up on him. And just like that, he's dead. And I think this is something that we don't do in our community. You know, we, we rant, we rave, but nobody wants to talk about preventive, preventive measures. And I mean, that's what, that's what everything, life, health, we don't ever want to talk about taking precautionary measures. And of course, society don't want to talk about those things because let's be real, there's no money. There's no money. Nobody makes no money when people are doing what they're supposed to do. When people aren't running stop signs. You know, I, I, I live on a one-way street and I see people go up the street because it's, it's shorter. Instead of going around, they'll come up the one-way street when it's on a hill that you can't see the top of. And it, it won't mean nothing for somebody to be coming down that hill at the same time. And I know they know what they're doing. And it's, it's, it's black folks. I done seen several cars go up that street and each one in that car is a black person. And you're thinking to yourself, what is it that you're possibly trying to get to where you can't add 10 seconds, because that's how long it would take to go around to get to that entrance of your place of residency. An extra 10 seconds, because I can only imagine the disaster, the devastating, devastation, excuse me, that would happen if two cars collide head on. Anyway, it's it's nobody wants to talk about that. No, it's it's you know it's even talking about like empowerment. You know things that we as a people we lack or we don't want to understand. Voter empowerment, finance empowerment. People don't understand. It's not just about voting. It's not just about making money. It's about having empowerment behind each of those things. Voting is one thing, but when you empower your vote, 
when you're taking the time to learn the, the, the individual on a total ballot, like I said, I've mentioned in previous um, podcasts before, I hate it. I hate it when I hear black people particularly say things like, I only vote in big elections, meaning that elections that have city councilmen, uh, state, state elected officials, they don't get involved in that. When you ask individuals, who's your state senator? Who is your state rep? Who's your mayor of your city? Who's name? You know, I, I know you, it'll be detailed if you say, hey, name a, a county judge and things like that. But at the same time, there's nothing wrong with that. Can you name your school board or when do they meet? Especially if you got children. I mean, when, you know, I've, I've worked with kids in the past and there were parents that didn't. I mean, I'm talking about elementary grades where you have one teacher. I mean, well, I'm, I'm, I'm being old school. I, know, I think today elementary classes might have maybe two. Some might have three. But on average, they, it's the same person. You're not changing, going from class to class to class. But there's a primary teacher. You got parents that don't know who their children teachers are. This is a new school year. You had a school year even before the virus. Their parents that could not tell you the names of their teachers. The teachers can, will tell you they have no idea what this parent looks like after they done sent several notes home on their, on their child's behavior or their grades or whatever. They, you don't hear nothing. This, this is empowerment. There's empowerment behind almost everything. But we as black people, that, that just seems to go right over our head. But you can go to McDonald's and if you go through the drive-thru and they mess up your order or your hamburger got pickles on it or your french fries are cold or they gave you a Coke instead of a Pepsi, you watch that individual, they will do a U-turn in the street and march back into that restaurant and raise pure hell for that food, but if you ask them, what is your child's teacher's name? Who is your county commissioner? They couldn't tell you. And they would tell you that that's not important. But it's not, it's not as important as making sure their happy, happy Meal has the right toy in it. This this is this is the problem. This is the problem with 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 us. And then you got these celebrities that are like now saying we should we should hold our vote hostage until Joe Biden commits to doing right by the black community. But where were these same 
so-called black celebrities that nearly four years ago when after Donald Trump won the election, where were they at? Where were they at saying, okay, what are you going to do for us? Because you need a second term. I mean, it was, it was a pin drop. Now you wait until up to this moment, we about to hit 12 o'clock midnight, and you're now saying you're going to hold the black boat hostage? Until Joe Biden commits to doing right by the black community. But are you going to Donald Trump saying, hey, we, we can hold the black vote hostage. You know, what are you going to do for us? Are they doing that to him? Because see, the last time, you know, I'm, I'm going by the movies Whenever there's someone holding a person hostage, you have a list of demands. You know, so you're telling Joe Biden's camp that you're going to hold the black boat hostage if he don't meet our demands. But what are what the, what are the demands? What, 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 what is it that you're wanting from him? And also, you also have to have leverage. You have to be in a position to say, well, if you don't do this, we're going to do that. I, that's, that's what I would really love to know. You know, what, what are the consequences that you... Are going because I mean, can you can they say okay if you don't if you don't meet our demands, we're gonna we're gonna endorse Donald Trump. What percentage? What percentage that are you gonna get? What's what's gonna happen? And I'm I'm speaking to the so-called celebrity black leaders. What's gonna happen is. The unempowered voters that are following you, they're going to sit on their hands. They're not going to vote. And there's a possibility that Donald Trump can win a second term. Then what will he do when he has a second term? He has nothing to lose, possibly can get another Supreme Court justice on the bench and solidify those point of views for the next 30, 40 years easily. So these so-called followers that you have that you led saying that we're going to we're gonna do this or else. Now, 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 what? What? Now, what are they gonna have? They gonna have shit. I mean, I get it. You know these so-called celebrity rap mongrels. I mean, come on. If they are not in Trump's pocket, 
And I mean, let's be real. The, the rule of thumb is if you make at least a quarter of a million or more, you will benefit from Donald Trump's policy. It's, it, I mean, it's a no-brainer. Now, the thing is, yes, he may help them keep more money in their pockets, but when is the concept of voting for morality, for morals? I don't know if I, I don't know if morality was the right word, but in for morals, for decency, upstanding. Why not say let's vote for that? Because chances are, if you have a candidate that's standing on that platform, you're going to get issues and presentations that reflect those values. I mean, when these people talk about, you know, you got to do right by the black community. Are they saying this to Donald Trump? I mean, it's, this is the most idiotic. This, I mean, I don't, I don't get the, it's, it's, it's illogical. I mean, you, people don't understand Kanye West currently is on the ballot in the state of Arkansas, Colorado, Oklahoma, Utah, and Vermont. And he's, he's pending applications in Iowa, Missouri, Minnesota, and Tennessee. Now, the thing about what's interesting about those states that I just named, I'm willing to bet the black population in these places are probably under 20%. I mean, Colorado, Oklahoma, you know, I mean, if you took away the sports program, Utah, I mean, I mean I'm taking the jazz basketball team, Vermont, Iowa, I mean, come on. Tennessee, maybe, you know, well, you got Missouri, St. Louis, Kansas City. You know, they have those cities. But really? But the thing is, when you look at we still are under the electoral process. I mean, these, these states could easily go towards Donald Trump. Easily. And also, you know, I named these states. He also can file as an independent because there are several more states where the deadline has not passed yet. As of this, as of this recording, I mean, it's, you know, this whole thing they call in a contract on, on America, you know, why, why aren't they speaking out on issues like black on black crimes? And I, I oh my gosh, I posted on Facebook I have a Facebook page connected to this, to this podcast. I posted 
you know, black on black crimes and I posted, you know, black America problem is, yes, the police, like I said earlier, there's, a, I believe there's a mandate for the police department to go after black people. But I also believe that black America's problem is black America. And I also believe that the police department, along with white people in general, know that we have this problem. So it's almost as if, it's almost like, well, they don't like each other. So they won't mind if we get rid of a few of them for them. And yes, it's no doubt this. There are black people that have the mindset that, oh, uh, well, what was this person's status? What was, you know, their credentials? But people fail to realize eventually it's going to overflow into your nice neighborhood. Yeah, most of these people that you've seen gunned down, you know, they're not college educated. You know, they they not working for law firms. That you know, you yeah, it's it's some, but it's the ratio is just is not there. They haven't killed a doctor or a, a, a congressman, you know, a, a school teacher. They haven't they haven't killed they haven't killed anybody like that. But it's just it's a matter of time. I would never sit here and have the mindset saying, oh, it can't happen to me. It won't happen to me. See, I'm not, I'm not one of those individuals. I've, I've been living in this world for a long time. I was raised, everything that people are going through now, I was raised to know who I was, am. See, like I said many times before, Police brutality in the black community is nothing new. It's just now we got technology, cell phone cameras that just is putting it out there. But if you look, they don't care. They do not care. I mean, I still think about the George Floyd murder. The way that police officer was on his throat and how he looked, looked dead into that camera, he did not give a damn. He did not care. He intentionally killed him. When that police officer went behind Blake and shot him, point blank, seven times in his back. He was shooting to kill. 
when they shot the young man in Atlanta. You know, the man is drunk, half sleep, running away, and you shoot him in a parking lot, crowded parking lot. You just, I mean, it, the mindset is like, I'm going to kill this nigga. He is not going to live. He is not going to get away. I am going to kill him. But at the same time, black people need to stand up to what is going on within ourselves. Because black on black crime is real. There is a problem in black America. And okay, I'll even say in my opinion, the problem in black America is black America. I mean, we can sit here and the white man this, the white man that, you know, okay. We've been saying that for forever. And without a doubt, yes, white people have caused travesties in our race. But I believe that, I, you know, I've told people of all the knives that are sticking in my back, truth be told, not one white hand put one in my back because I don't turn my back to white folks. But at the same time, because I love my people, helping them, trying to look after them, take care of them. Yes, I have been stabbed many times. It's, it's my job to put myself out there. And I have a love and a passion for what I do. And I'm not gonna allow for a knife that's stuck in my back to stop me. I'll just pull that knife out hand it back to that brother or sister, and I keep moving. I'll keep moving. You know, let's change the subject. Of course, the Republican Party, they had their whatever that was called. That thing was crazy. I mean, I mean, that, that, that was a shit show. It's like, I mean, everything that they spoke on was simply scare tactics. The whole four days, Joe Biden's America, the world is going to burn. I mean, it's, oh my gosh. And they, they get people riled up over this. And I mean, it's like if, if you elect Joe Biden or if you are allowed to let Joe Biden become president, because I think, you know, first of all, the thing like the polls indicated Joe Biden has a lead because people fail to realize Trump became president through tactics. Let's be real. He, I mean, I'm not, and I'm not going to hate the game because it was a brilliant, 
it was a brilliant strategy. Get people um, upset because I believe that you know um, the the candidate um, Bernie Sanders people they were upset. The DNC fucked that all up. I believe Hillary Clinton played a part because I think she was so disrespectful as she looked past the other Democrat candidates and was focusing on, oh, I can't wait to get to Trump, that she didn't realize what was going on and the other individual candidates and their supporters, they felt that was disrespectful, that was arrogant on her part. Yes, she loves to blame Bernie Sanders that, you know, he didn't recede sooner. But when Bernie Sanders got that news that the DNC was doing everything in their power, including their resources, to get Hillary Clinton elected, yeah. Because Bernie Sanders, he really didn't have a shot, but he was treading water. And out of respect, they should have just said, you know, hey, we're going to let them fight. We're going to let them, I shouldn't say fight, debate. And let Sanders just say, you know, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm doing more harm to the party. Bernie Sanders would have told his people, I'm going to yield. Please support Hillary Clinton. They would have made some type of deal. He would have been her secretary of whatever, and everybody would have been happy. And she would have got those votes. And that would have took her the man. Of course, she got, she got the popular vote. But, of course, we don't live in that type of society. Electoral college is what rules the day. And easily, those votes that Sanders people would have cast, I guarantee that would have gave her another state or two and Hillary Clinton would be president of the United States. Plain and simple. But, okay, so now, we didn't have that. I mean, Bernie Sanders, he yielded pretty quick this time. Um, Joe Biden accepted the nominee he got Senator Harris as his VP pick, which I think, you know, based on what a lot of people are feeling, she wasn't their first choice. However, she's a good choice. In terms of the strength, the only, you know what, the, my only concern about Kamala Harris in regards to Bernie Sanders I believe that the aura and the popularity that she has could easily outshine Joe Biden. And I just hope Joe Biden, I don't want to say he should accept that because he's, he's kind of made it known that Whoever this VP that he was going to pick, which he chose, Senator Harris, they pretty much are going to be, four years from now, the Democrat nominee for President of the United States. I mean, unless something just terribly go wrong, 
Because, I, I mean, right now, based on the polls, I know things can change. But I truly believe, I think, I think the Democrats have learned their lessons. I believe without a doubt. They've learned their lessons. I believe Joe Biden is going to be president of the United States. Now, is Donald Trump going to yield the office without a fight? No, hell no. That ain't, I would be disappointed if he just, if he gave up. I really would. My thing is, I just believe that they are going to win. And, you know, I guess, you know, that would be something could be discussed later on. I mean, I, I've skimmed over it in a couple of podcasts in the past. You know, what would happen if Donald Trump refused to relinquish his seat or if the votes weren't fully tallied after November 3rd and things of that nature. But that's a whole that's a whole nother discussion. But I mean, another thing people fail to realize, and again, this is going back to voter empowerment. Joe Biden can win the presidency, but if the Democrats don't control the Senate and the House, particularly the Senate, you're just gonna have, you have four years of really nothing. I mean, well, you know, I, I should say at least two years of really nothing. Because, you know, without the Senate, and this going back to this, you know, so-called contract with black America that these black celebrities are talking about. Again, you need to also be going to the Democrat senators or candidates that are running for the Senate against Republicans that are in the Senate because without the Senate, the House and the presidency is still, all they could do is just put stuff on the table. That's it. And it won't, it will not move, not one inch. So it's this, and see, this is what irritates me when they talk about this contract with America thing. It's, it, it's got to go deeper than that. You're, you're trying to leverage Joe Biden when you, if you got that type of leverage where you can garner attention, especially from young black America, then empower them. The, the whole concept with the NBA, when they boycotted a couple of games, and when you read the backstory behind all of this, it really was really unorganized. The whole thing, to my understanding, the Milwaukee, the Milwaukee Bucks decided about five minutes before game time that they weren't going to play. And it was nothing that the NBA could do. Nothing. It got to the point where there was grumbling 
because nobody evidently the scenes were that it had been discussed but it was still being talked about however the bucks took it upon themselves to say we ain't playing and that caused a ripple because the WNBA didn't play the soccer teams didn't play there were teams in other countries that shut down. And for a moment, people got a taste of real empowerment because also the players, they came up with a contract to the owners because they have some leverage because they know the owners know these people. See, I don't know about basketball, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more into football. And I think it's believe out of the 30, I think it's 31, 32 teams in the NFL, I think it was said that 25, 25 owners gave Donald Trump large donations, when I say large, at least a minimum of a million dollars or more. But I, you know, I, you know, I can't speak on their behalf. But I believe that all of them are Trump supporters, cause they make a little bit over two hundred fifty thousand dollars, so they benefit greatly from Donald J. Trump being their president. But when you, as players, the NBA's what over eighty percent black. And you can put a contract in front of the owners because without you on that court, they hemorrhage money. This whole bubble thing and everything, is, I'm sure they're not making that high profit margin. The only thing that's probably holding them up is the television contract. Other than that, no, they probably not making, they probably not making nowhere near. And you still got to pay these guys. But these guys got together. And one of the things I love is where they said every, just about every arena can be a polling station. See, that's, that's empowerment. See, that's, see, when these so-called, when a so-called rapper and I'm not calling these guys names. I ain't got no time for that. But you can say to a venue owner, let's say somebody say, hey, Madison Square Garden owner or the Barclay Center owner, what's the possibility of using this place as a polling station? It would be perfect. Or hey, minister of this mega church, which, you know, I don't even know why that hasn't ever been proposed. In Atlanta, I mean, two things you're going to pass on every two miles is a mega church and a liquor store. And neither one 
has been set up to be a polling place. You know, why is that? I mean, you know, it's, you know, but, you know, well, one of the reasons, ministers, they're high behind that, you know, this the church and all that bullshit. But, no, most ministers are Republican. They support, because, again, they make over $250,000, and the, the Republican Party pushes that separation of church versus state situation and that's how they keep their money in their pockets. So of course they're not gonna they're not gonna bite the hand that feeds them. But it just when they sit there talking about that type of empowerment, the NBA players they got something, they on to something. And heaven forbid, if that roll over into the NFL, where I think is what, 65% black? Oh my gosh. If they, whoo-hoo, whoo, oh my gosh. Because they really are a thin thread from dissolving this whole season concept but you know let's wait let's wait and see let's wait and see you know um last week on the well not last week a couple of days ago um on the 28th of august 1955 this was the the death of emmett tills one of the things that always bothered me was they always say he died on August 28, 1955. You know, it's like they don't they don't go into detail about what happened. So, you know, let me let me share. Let me share what happened to Emmett Tills. And I mean, I've read different versions, so, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm playing by memory. Though I did post this on, on the um, podcast Facebook page. I just don't have it in front of me. But, you know, Emmett Tills, this 14-year-old boy from Chicago visiting family in Mississippi, the accusation was that he whistled at a white woman. This white woman ran and told her husband and her brother. And in the middle of the night, I think it said like two, I think it said like two o'clock in the morning, they took him and uh, basically tied him up, took him to a barn. Where, you know, even when they say they beat him and tortured. No, it's like they gouged out his eyes. They just, I mean, they gouged out his eyes. They said when, you know, when his body 
was found, his tongue had been cut out and his ears were cut off. They said that his nose was cut off and both of his wrists were broken. They, I mean, it, it described that the femur bone in his leg, that's, that's the largest bone in your body, basically your thigh. It was broken. They said that his head was split open. 14 years old. Another aspect that they don't tell you was that he was still alive when they did all of this. Because in the end, and basically, to me, the only act of mercy that they gave him was when they shot him in the head. And that ended his life. Not until he endured all of the things I just mentioned. Yeah, I know that, you know, they made mention that his body was tied to a cotton gin fan, you know, uh, barbed wire, and his body was thrown in the river. And they fished, fished his body out with the with the intent of basically hiding what they had done. And what they they don't also mention that was these people went to court and I mean it was a mockery. It was a joke. And they were acquitted. And Decades later, 1955 uh, to, I think it was like, what, 2018? The woman that made the accusation, we'll just call, I can't remember her name, we'll just call her Karen. Her, she basically confessed. No, it didn't happen. Because now, you know, she's sick. She's dying. So, you know, she's like, you know, um, yeah, I lied. I feel bad. Yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. You know, I think her husband, well, at the time of her husband, I think he, I think they got divorced. You know, um, I think he's dead. I think, I think it was the brother-in-law. It was her brother. I think it was her brother. I think he's dead. So, you know, and of course, to my understanding, she's in hiding because, you know, I guess people will probably, I guess, you know, who, who's to say? Tell them, you know, black folks, they be like, oh, we're so forgiving. Oh, okay, yeah. We forgive you, blah, 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 you know. Oh my God, don't get me started, don't get me started. But anyway, that's what took place this, this week or um, last week. You know, another news, and I ain't even gonna say this is good news. You know, Kelly Conway basically said that, you know, 
she's she's hanging it up. She won't be part of the new administration if they get a second term. And pretty much, you know, basically saying that she wants to she wants to leave because, you know, spend time with her family, blah, blah, blah. But then there's, you know, well, I won't say accusation, her actual daughter, her 15-year-old daughter, Claudia Conway, has indicated on, I think, her Twitter post that she wants to be emancipated from her family. You know, I don't care what anybody says. Every, I'm a firm believer you, you 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 reap what you sow or you sow what you reap I'm not exactly how it goes but it comes back to you I mean that has to have a insurmountable effect on your family I didn't even I didn't even think that uh, Kelly Conway had children. It never, it never dawned on me. I knew about her husband. He's totally the opposite. But even in his capacity, there's no doubt in my mind. They make money off of their going back and forth, and they're they're gonna make money once they both step down, even if they go on a tour of debating each other. You know, I can easily see split screen panels with both of them, the pros and cons of whatever subject. So, I mean, it's just that, you know, she's saying that she's stepping down for a family purpose. No, she's gotten business opportunities. People have come to her saying, hey, you know what? We can take this show on the road. Right now, you're restricted. You're at a cap. However, if you make a tell-all book, how, you know, living in a home with a person that opposes your boss, and then your husband makes a book of living with his wife who is working for the opposition. Oh, I mean, come on now. People are that gullible. They're gonna, they're gonna eat that up. They're gonna eat that up. So you know, like I said before, God will always have the last laugh. Last but not least, you know, Chadwick Boseman passed away. Forty-three years old, had cancer. It was said that he's was dealing with this for the last four years. Um, Again, when I think about this person, it just, you know, even my own situation where I had to um, reevaluate my life after I had my heart surgery. And, you know, I, again, you know, I posted on Facebook. It's not about the length of time that you have. It's about what you do with that length of time. And... You, you got to make every day count. Every day has to count. It has to count and it has to be in service 
of other people. You got to. But you cannot waste it. At this point, at my age, after, like I said, I had my heart surgery, I tell people the thing that I value the most is my time. Do not waste my time. Making money, I can always make money. If I lost money, I can always get it back. But when it comes to my time, at my age, you know, when you're 20, you're like, oh, I'm easily making to 40. 30, even when you hit 40, even, you know, you might even say, well, I'm 45. I could probably easily, I might be able to make it at 90. But it's something when you turn 50. Reality is like, I probably will not get another 50 years. And if I do, what condition am I going to be in? And see, that's key. In the field that I am in, I see, I see clients that I have that are my age, younger, 60, 70 years old, and are immobile. My goal is I'm not, I'm not going to be like that. I do my best. Yeah, I got to improve my diet, but I do my best to get to the gym. When the virus hit, I was going for my walks. The gym is open back up. I'm back at the gym. Even if I can get in 30 minutes on a treadmill, I'm going to do something. It's like I posted on Facebook a statement by Barb Marley. You know, never expect God to do for you what you don't do for others. That's my whole mantra. Taking care of myself, preserving my time, and serving others. Because I gain something when I do that. And, you know, I just hope people, yes, it's sad that Chadwick Bozeman passed away. Great actor. But what also I look at, you know, is what he accomplished. You know, I think back, Tupac, Biggie, these guys under 30 years old. You know, I think what Biggie, I think Biggie had two, I think it was two, two albums by himself, to my understanding. And I mean, they were off the charts. In that, that time span, what they accomplished that's how you want to live. And I mean, they're legends. You know, Malcolm X, Dr. King, 39 years old each. But look at what they left behind. That's what you want. That's what you want to accomplish. That's what I want to accomplish. I can't speak for y'all. I can only speak for myself. On that note, we're going to end this podcast. Oh, wow. First time ever, I, I hit the one hour mark. But anyway, this has been another episode of There's a System to This Madness. I am your host, Osaze Shabazz. And please, please, leave your comments, leave your questions, leave your gripes, your complaints. I'll take all of them. Until next time, God bless, take care, 
be safe.